This is the Hot Stove Report. Going, going, goodbye baseball. On 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle app. And hello again, everybody, and welcome to another edition of Hot Stove 2020. I'm Rick Riz, along with Shannon Dreher and Gary Hill, Jr., and we're getting ready for another baseball season right around the corner. Spring training gets underway. Pitchers and catchers report February the 12th down in the Valley of the Sun in Peoria, Arizona. That's right around the corner. Remember, the opening game is March the 26th right here at T-Mobile Park when the Mariners entertain the Texas Rangers. Shannon, Gary, I tell you what, man, it's going to be here before we know it. Shannon's, Shannon's packing for spring. She's leaving in days. We've got some really serious shoe evaluations. Going I was going to go right there, but you beat me to it. And yeah, no, trying to get that under control this year. The truck leaves on Monday, yeah, I believe. It leaves so I Monday. think I'm taking it over on Friday. So yeah. so that's just for your shoes, right? The yes, truck. The truck is just for the shoes. Yeah. Maybe some weightlifting equipment too for the team. No, how, how many pairs do you go down? I, I, I don't I even want to talk two. about it. No, I'm not going to talk about no. it. I, it's getting better. Three, four. It's getting better. <laughs> this, this is going to be your longest stay ever, right? No, don't tell me that because I think I've got it under control right now. But if we, I mean, it is six weeks, this is a right? long one. This is a very not yeah. not complaining in the least bit, and there are good shoe stores down there, so it's exactly. fine. It was short last year because we went to Japan and had to take off early. Which I would do every year if that were that an was a great oh, trip, wasn't yeah. it? That was fun. It was amazing. Broadcasting. Then we had Junior with us that one that one game. That whole trip was incredible. Yeah. I will never forget that entire trip. It was no, amazing. That was that was so much fun. But I tell you what, folks, we've got a great show. Gary Hill put together another wonderful uh, program tonight for Hot Stove. We're going to visit with, uh, I tell you what, this young man burst, exploded onto the scene last year. We talked so much about. Uh... <laughs> 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 <What was that? laughs> we, t- we talked about so much talent in the Mariners organization, you know, coming along. And then we saw Kyle Lewis burst onto the scene, home run in his. Uh, first major league game, home runs in his first three, home runs in six of his first ten. We're going to be joined by Kyle Lewis here in the first hour. We'll also visit with Mariners Director of Player Development. This guy's been so busy, especially over the last four or five years. Andy McKay is going to join us. This is his fifth year with the organization. He oversees the entire farm system, which produced 23 All-Stars last year. Shannon, Gary, that's going to be great talking with Andy. He was busy the other day at the media luncheon talking about all the all the young talent in the organization right now. I'm excited about it. Yeah, I'm interested to talk to him a little bit about how things are different this year in the minors. Last year we knew they kept a squad together at AA, and that was the intent. Yeah. Now what does it look like now that the majority of them are going to be mm-hmm. at the big league level fairly soon in the year? How do they handle these young players? And really interested to hear a little bit more yeah. about that second and third wave. And, of course, it right. sounds like one of the biggest waves is kind of pushing in the – you know, pushing the envelope, knocking on the door, trying to skip a grade right now. So yeah. it should be interesting to hear how they plan to handle all of that. Skip a grade is a great way to put it. Yeah. I like that. It seemed like uh, Andy and everybody in the organization did a nice job of when the guys were ready, because that's the main point, you know, he made. He says, you know, they they will tell us when they're ready to move up. But it seemed like they made that advancement fairly quickly last year from low A, West Virginia, to high A, Modesto, on to Arkansas where there were, I believe, eight or nine All-Stars last year, and they made it to the playoffs. So when you have that wave coming like that, it's just a matter of time before they get here. And then you have Evan White, who signed a six-year Major League contract. We talked about it last week after the news came out. 
signing a big league contract to he hasn't played above double A, but that's what the organization thinks about Evan White. Absolutely, and it was great to talk to Evan White last week too. He yeah. was he was fabulous, and it was interesting to hear Jerry Depoto in Media Day, and we'll talk more about Media Day later in the show, but. Talk about how they wouldn't mind if Evan White was not alone in terms of signing a deal like that. Yeah. And they have a young core that they would like to lock up moving forward and be here for the long term. And then, Gary, your look into the American League West. We're also going to visit with a gentleman by the name of Chris Townsend, who covers the Oakland A's, does pre and post for uh, the A's, and also has a daily show. So we'll find out what's going on with the uh, Oakland A's uh, this year in the American League West. They're always tough. You think 97 wins? Are they going to get to 98? Are they oh going to get to 100 this year? Just uh, They can't keep sneaking up on people. Yeah, that, that's that's something down there, isn't it? It really is. And it, it's going to be interesting to talk to Chris about on the field, off the field. It's pretty interesting times in Oakland as well. And they just had their fan fest. And I heard Matt Chapman talking about Wanting to sign a long-term deal there, which would be amazing for the A's. I think they need to do. That. He is truly an underrated player. I think he's one of the best players in the American League. I feel like maybe he doesn't always get that kind of credit, but he's an MVP candidate in my mind. Yeah, I, th- I think they're bookends too with Matt Chapman and also uh, Olson. Yeah, there that's right. First base, you know, if they get those two guys signed for a long time. That's that's rough going for everybody. Everybody in baseball. These are good offensively, but especially what they bring defensively. Yeah, it'd be, it'd be great for the fans down there, too. Shannon and I were talking about this, actually, uh, before we went on, thinking about who have been the long-term A's in recent memory. And Eric Chavez is a name Shannon brought up, and that's about... Not many. as re- Right? I it's mean, It's been about raising the no. stars and then trading them yeah. for something. But if yeah. the stars are willing to stay, I mean, that's their ideal situation. If they got one, let alone two, that changes the equation for them, yeah. Yeah. I think, dramatically. Looking at Twitter right now, the Giants are doing their hot stove show right now. We're competing with the Giants? <laughs> <laughs> we should check in with them at some point. They're doing their thing down there in the Bay Area. So, so. you're saying like we, we should baseball Slater time. Austin is on at 7.15 and Brandon Crawford at 7.35. We should simulcast sometime. Go on shows together. That'd be great. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, you got, you got that big football game coming up on Sunday. But I tell you what, it's, it's nice to know that people are talking about baseball right now. Rainy outside there, a little on the chilly side, but you know our thoughts are to uh, some sunshine and getting down to Arizona and getting this thing started because I'm I'm really excited. I really am. You know, to see the young players get another opportunity. We saw a lot of young players get here last year. We'll talk with uh, Andy about this in particular. You know, Kyle Lewis, Shed Long, Jake Fraley, Braden Bishop, Justice Sheffield got here. Justin Dunn made his major league debut. Malik Smith has been a little around the last uh, few years with the. Uh, with Tampa Bay and now with the Mariners last year, Dylan Moore, Tim Lopes. So I'm excited to get down there, Shannon, and uh, warm up a little bit, dry out, and uh, watch these kids get better. We're almost there. <laughs> All right. We've got a heck of a show for you. Hot Stove 2020 coming your way live from downtown Seattle. Shannon Dreyer, Gary Hill Jr., Rick Riz, stay tuned. We'll be back with uh, a talented, I mean a very talented young outfielder. Kyle Lewis is going to join us right after this time out. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Here's the pitch to him. Swung on, fly ball into right field in deep. Kramer going back to the warning track, looking up. Goodbye, baseball. 
over the tall wall in right field, an opposite field home run for Kyle Lewis. His fifth home run in the major leagues in his eighth game in the big leagues. Home run number five already. He goes the other way, and the Mariners have a 3-0 lead over the Pirates. What a start to his major league career, Kyle Lewis. Just 24 years of age, and like I said earlier a few minutes ago, he burst onto the scene with all those home runs in a hurry, including that one right there. He was at Double A Arkansas last year at 263, 11 home runs, 62 RBIs. Then in the big leagues in 18 games last year, 18 games, Kyle Lewis hit 268 with six home runs and 13 runs bad. And then Kyle's our guest here on Hot Stove. How you doing, kid? Where are you? Man, I'm in Atlanta. I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Outstanding. What's your offseason been like after enjoying that fi- uh, final month of the season last year, your first month in the big leagues? Man, I uh, got away, went to Hawaii early in the offseason, and I uh, had a blast out there. And uh, that's a place I recommend to anybody. He <laughs> <laughs> got that right. Looking for, looking for a vacation spot. And then uh came back and came back to Atlanta to be around my family and uh, hit the ground running. Been working hard ever since, so it's been a blast. Kyle, it was uh, some fun stories uh, about back in December. We were trying to get a bunch of you on the phone for interviews, and everybody was preoccupied with your teammate Evan White's wedding. And you guys really, it, it sounds like we saw how close you were last year, that Arkansas group. Sounds like it really carried over. Yeah, yeah. Really uh, what I would consider to be lifelong friendships, you know, at this point. And, uh, you know, me and Evan started off really tight in Modesto, and then Justin came over and he jumped right in. Jake, Fraley, Donnie, Walton, and uh, just really formed a, you know, a really tight group. And uh, to be able to go up to his wedding and celebrate that really kind of, you know, kind of made me realize, too, like, this is a really strong bond we have. And I was able to be in the wedding, too, so that was a big blessing. After everything you've gone through in your career, what did last year mean to you, not only the success in the minors, but coming up to the big leagues and having such a, a monster September? I think I think it just, you know, you just keep working. You keep plugging away. You know, keep chipping away. You never know what situation you'll find yourself in. And I end up you know, dealing with a lot of adversity and a lot of ups and downs, but you never know what what the the India story is going to look like. So that's what I try to do: try to just keep writing my story every day and uh, chipping away and, and giving it my best shot. So it was pretty satisfying to be able to have some success, you know, at the end of that season there, and uh, and hopefully get that get that rolling in next year. Yeah, Kyle, the start of your uh, journey was so much fun to watch uh, last year. In your first game, you hit a home run, and like I said home runs in your first three games. Did you surprise yourself uh, last year and that, that big smile on your face the whole time? But you always have that smile. But what was that like for you uh, to go through that and hit that first home run? Well, I had kind of found something at the end of the season going into the uh, AA playoffs, and it had a really strong playoffs down there. But I felt like you know I could, I could carry over and uh, bring with me. So I was kind of coming off a good, a good, a little stretch of success going into my first big league game, and to be able to have some instant success there too was really satisfying, and really kind of felt like a little, little bit out of body experience, you know, for those first few days, just kind of trying to get my feet under me, and uh, my family was up there celebrating and going crazy too. So it was just, it was a surreal experience, and uh, you know, hard to really describe that, yeah. put it into words. But I, all I can think about is. You know, when I was in the double-A playoffs, 
you know, was really having a lot of success there, and I just tried to keep that going. So what did you find at the end of the double-A season there? I saw one thing. You have good power the other way. Yeah, really that was it. Just just trying to tailor myself to, uh, you know, staying on that fastball, staying, staying ready, fastball, middle of the way, and, and uh, you know, looking right center and, and getting back to my strength, you know, and, and uh, not trying to deviate from what I know I can do well, which is hit the ball, you know, the right right field, right center field with power. So just try to stick to that and uh, stick to my game and let that be what that was going to be, and I think that ended up kind of helping me out. We're visiting with Kyle Lewis right now on the Mariners Hot Stove Show. And, Kyle, in talking with Scott Service toward the end of the year, he said that one of the most important things that these young players learn is learn what their big league routine is going to be. What did you learn about routine in the time that you were up, and how did you kind of process that once you got away and had a little bit of time in the off season? Yeah, I think every everything as far as work ethic just took a, another notch up once I was able to see, you know, the organization that you have to have day to day. And my routine ended up really getting, you know, really, really almost to the minute, you know, once I was able to see some of the veteran guys and how, how they go about it. You know, they come in every day and, and it's pretty much the same thing you know what you're going to get from them from a pregame standpoint. And then that ends up being, you know what you're going to get from them in the game. And uh, that's the thing that I've kind of tried to take into the off season now pretty much make it, you know, by the minute every day when I when I make out my schedule for the day, I'm going to hit at this time, I'm going to run at this time, I'm going to lift. And I try not to come off of that schedule as much as I can so that I can be consistent and continue to build those habits going into the year. And after going through it last year in September and knowing that there's opportunities in the outfield this year, how does that change your mindset coming into this spring as opposed to some springs in the past? I think I think naturally you have a little bit more expectation. I feel like, you know, at this point I expect to make the team and expect to contribute to the team, you know, at a high level. But, you know, I think every player who, you know, views views highly of himself is going to say that. But I feel like, you know, with this organization and the state of it right now and the state of the roster, I feel like there's opportunity there. And uh, for me, you know, if that if that door is open, I'm going to try to bust through it and uh, take hold of it. Let's talk about that, Kyle. Visiting with Mariners outfielder Kyle Lewis. Kyle, we talk so much about so much talent in the organization right now. First-round draft pick on a Mercy University, but then here comes all this other young talent over the last couple of years, Jerry DePoto really loading up the organization. So my question to you is, what did you see in the minor leagues last year with this young talent, all this ability, and especially at AA Arkansas, I think you had about eight or nine all-stars at AA last year. Yeah, there's a lot of there's a lot of elite level talent in our organization, and uh, it's really starting to kind of take hold of a, a blueprint of some organizations in the past that have really built from their farm system and and built into a really successful major league team. And uh, people on the outside who, who have been giving us feedback have also been saying that that we have the talent to become that you know next team that does mm-hmm. that. And uh, I really believe in that based on you know seeing the guys I, I played with, you know, and some of the guys even you know maybe in high A coming up. And, uh, you know, it's a really strong farm system, a really strong system, and a lot of young talent that I personally really believe in, you know, being around these guys and, and being around their personalities as well. Kyle, you had an opportunity to see a little bit of Logan Gilbert while he was up at AA. Tell us what you saw from him. Uh, incredible, incredible pitcher. Um, a lot of movement on the fastball with plus breaking ball as well. You know, and, and not, not a lot of walks. Guy is attacking. You know, he's attacking the zone. 
He's working. And the guy that we, we loved playing behind, because we knew every time out he was going to pretty much dominate, you know, and uh, hold the team, you know, one or two runs, keep us in it, give us a chance to win. He's a guy that I think can be an elite, elite arm moving forward. You know, he's got an elite fastball already, so, you know, it's really fun to play behind him. And he's a really quiet, really humble guy, too, so you know, really easy to play with. So in September last year, your first experience in the big leagues, did you have a big league moment, whether it was on the field or off the field, a moment where, like, wow, I can't believe this is happening, that sort of moment? Yeah, we. I think we were playing the White Sox, and uh, it was the eighth inning. We were down by four, and it was two runners on. And they brought in Herrera from – I remember watching Herrera when I was in high school, maybe college, early college or something. So when I was facing him, it was it – was, uh, I don't know why that that particular pitcher coming out the bullpen just kind of like struck me, and uh, I was kind of like, "Wow, this is really happening." And then I ended up hitting a home run to center off of him, and that just like kind of took me back. Like that was kind of the moment where it kind of hit me kind of hard. And then I looked up in the stands, and my brother was up there hmm. going crazy, and uh, I think that that was where it kind of sunk in for me, and uh, it was just a a little bit of an out of body experience right there. So, who got the first hit ball or the first home run ball in your family? Uh, I got the I've got the first home run ball, but uh, my parents have pretty much everything else. Like I I give them a lot, you know, so they can hold on to it. Yeah, we saw the Mariners put together a pretty fun video in the off season. You guys did a little bit of shoe shopping. How'd Evan White do with the with the shoe shopping? Oh, uh, Evan, Evan went in there with a with a blank slate. He uh he was admitting he didn't he didn't know anything about shoes, and he was just trying to get something nice, get him a nice pair. And we were able to actually pick him out. One of my favorite pairs, so it was pretty cool to see. And then uh, Justin Dunn ended up crashing the party, and uh, he took home some of the nicest shoes I've ever seen. So it was actually cool for him to show up kind of late and uh, make for a good video. We ended up having a lot of fun with that. And uh, I definitely will probably go back to that store next time I go up there. So it was cool. <laughs> Have you seen Dunn's collection? That sounds amazing. Yeah, I've seen it on video. I've seen it on video. I have a pretty impressive one that I thought I thought was cool, and then when I saw his, I was like, "Oh man, I got I got to keep my mouth shut because he's got. I mean, it's it's incredible, you know. And I'll hopefully next year I'll get up there to his house and uh, see it in person and see if I can steal a couple of them. <laughs> so, who do you pattern your style after? I mean, you dress you just dress great, you know, and uh, there's a lot of fun stuff out there. My style, I, I try to honestly like. You know, I pattern a lot of like NBA. I, I look uh, look at guys in the NBA coming up, coming through when they arrive to the game, and my agent and I'll screenshot a, a uh, you know a nice outfit and say, hey, like what brands are these or something like that, and try to go pick that up for myself. And uh, that's kind of the main kind of the main way that I kind of figure out what to wear is just off of seeing you know different guys, different guys that are more established or whatnot, what they're wearing and kind of try to see if it's a style that'll fit me, you know, being a tall, lean guy. And, and uh, I try to pick pick clothes that'll fit that. Well, tell what, young man, you have style when you walk in the clubhouse, you have style when you walk out of the clubhouse, and now you got some style when you're on the field. It was so much fun to watch you play when you came up in September. We're going to see a lot of you this year, and especially at spring training. So, Kyle, thanks a lot for joining us tonight here in Hot Stove. We appreciate it, buddy. Yeah, no problem. Can't wait to see you guys in the uh, It'd be a good year. I appreciate you for having me on. Oh, it's great to have you on. It's going to be a fun time. Kyle Lewis, Mariners outfielder.
here on Hot Stove. We're going to be back, and uh, more Hot Stove continues with the Mariners Director of uh, Player Development. Andy McKay is going to join us right after this timeout. Back to more of the Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Say, friends, the Mariners are changing the game with our all-new Flex membership. Go to the games you want, sit in the seats you want, and get the savings you want, all when you want. For more information on how to choose your membership and enjoy discounted seats all season long, visit mariners.com slash flex. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer and Gary Hill. As we continue the first hour of Hot Stove uh, tonight with spring training just right around the corner, how much fun was that talking with uh, Kyle Lewis and the, the prospects of this young man really taking off this year after he you know, came on really strong in the month of September? I love what he said at the end. It's going to be a good year. Yeah. All right. Thanks, have Kyle. Fun. All right. Let's, let's have a good year. It was, it was great to hear. It's going to be a lot of fun. And right now, we got a chance to visit with uh, our very special guest here in the first hour of Hot Stove, Mariners Director of Player Development, Andy McKay. Andy, how you doing? Thanks for coming on with us tonight. Hey, I'm doing great. Thanks for having me. Andy, we just talked with uh, Kyle Lewis uh, a few minutes ago. Kyle, last September, really was something, you know, the six home runs in uh, ten games and uh, was so much fun to watch. As the Director of Player Development, you're in charge of the farm system, all these kids coming from A-ball, rookie ball, A-ball, double-A, triple-A to the big leagues, the Dominican Summer League. How does that make you feel? Do you feel like a proud papa when you see a guy like Kyle Lewis do what he did last September, Andy, and the other kids too? Uh, yeah, you do, and and, they, and you reflect on a lot of things. And, you know, I, I, I think mostly about all of the people that were involved in that journey. And with Kyle specifically, um, you know, you just kind of reflected back on the injury and that rehab process that was so grueling with so many ups and downs and how much time he missed. And, yeah. you know, people forget last year was his first spring training that he was actually able to participate in. So uh, it, it was a great moment. It was a great moment for him and his family and so many people uh, that helped him along the way from our uh, trainers to our strength coaches to our hitting coaches. And uh, it, it was a great moment for him. And and what I think was ultimately just going to be the, the beginning of what I what I think is going to be a great career for him. Andy, it's been a, a process getting the minor league system up and running with all of your processes, you know, the hitting, the pitching, the fielding, uh, getting everybody on the same page, speaking the same language, and when, you know the different camps that you've had, everything that's been invested into, uh, I think, kind of getting what we saw this year, particularly from that group at AA. As these players come up to the big leagues and as they came up to the big leagues, particularly late last year, I know that when they walk into that clubhouse, they're a little bit more out of your hands. But what are you watching at that point and what can you learn from seeing them at that level and take forward into what you're doing with the farm system? Yeah, that's a uh, that's a great question. I think when you look at kind of this first wave of players that began to transition in, you're, you're getting a lot of data points as to things that you can learn from that particular transition that you can uh, immediately take back to the next wave and the following wave to try to uh, help educate them about that process. And, you know, for the most part, we, we've had a very seamless transition, and I think that transition will be even smoother moving forward with, with Carson Vitale 
now on the major league staff with Jarrett DeHart full-time in the major leagues and with Pete Woodworth up there. But, you know, really what you're looking for is, is that deer-in-the-headlights look, and, you know, which from Kyle Lewis, you didn't see that. From Art Warren, you didn't see it. From Donnie Walton, uh, you didn't see it. And and that felt good because it, it, it gave me the confidence to, to know that what we're doing um, has real merit to it, and we were able to prepare those guys for what I think most of them would tell you is the biggest moment of their life. And they were, they were able to go out and, and, and stay in attack mode rather than, you know, that momentary freeze mode that happens to so many players. So that was the biggest thing is just seeing them look like they belonged and they look like they, they were, they were at the right level. They were playing at the right league. And, you know, for guys like art who, I mean, he pitched as well as he's pitched all year on that stage. Um, it was good to see. You've had some time to reflect on it now, but in 2019 overall, how happy are you with the development you saw? I think across the board, we were pleased. It was it was a unique year in, in terms of we had been building, you know, what kind of what we call our process for really three years. And then, you know, kind of over the course of, you know, call it eight weeks, you have this massive influx of talent come into the system. And whether it was, you know, acquiring Kellenic or having Julio come over from the uh, Dominican Republic and come to the States for the first time, to have Kyle Lewis healthy for the first time, to have Logan Gilbert healthy for the first time, to get Sheffield to get done. And so it was kind of the perfect storm of a, of a fairly well-developed process that had been three years in the making, all of a sudden having this influx of talent with uh, just really good kids, really good players. And, you know, then you continue to have a, a really good draft class this year that, uh, you know, from George Kirby to, to, to uh, Williamson and Campbell and Elliott, um, I think it was just kind of the, the perfect combination and the perfect timing for all those things to come together. But uh, we're proud of the year. Uh, it was a really good year, no matter really how you break it down. And, you know, now it's about taking a deep breath and knowing that 2020 is a brand new year and there's no carryover. We don't get any points moving forward. So we're starting clean and, uh, you know, back to work. Visiting with Mariners Director of uh, Player Development, Andy McKay. Andy, uh, it, this says a lot about uh, your your coaches and your managers down in the minor leagues and, and, and watching these kids improve from one level to another. How do you know when a kid is ready to move up to the next level? There's multiple ways, and you know we have a a, a, a very strong collaborative collaborative process, and so there's multiple areas and multiple uh, channels for which people to kind of raise their hand and say, "Hey, I want to talk about player X." Uh, oftentimes, it comes from the coaches on the ground at the affiliate, where they'll simply pick up the phone and call me and say, "Hey, Andy, I, I, I think this guy's at the wrong level. It's time for him to move." Uh, other times it comes from our analysts in the office where, you know, for whatever reason, data that they're pulling up is just showing that uh, he's he's ready. He's checked off the boxes. Um, and sometimes it's Jerry DePoto picking up the phone and, and calling me. Sometimes it um, originates as one of our coordinators. So, you know, we have a, a group of people that feel confident to pick up the phone at any time and, and begin the conversation and, I'll give you one clear-cut example with uh, with Kellenic this year in West Virginia. We, you know, we began the conversation pretty early, 
But then we did a real deep dive and we started uh, looking at the the paths of high school signing position players that moved quickly through a system that were kind of perennial all-stars at the major league level. And we looked at how many at-bats did they get in low A. Mm-hmm. And it was, it was, it was pretty eye-opening that there was a, there was a lot of consistency there. And so that gave us a little bit of a roadmap to follow. And you were able to say things like, well, you know, if, if Mike Trout got X amount of at-bats in low A, if Manny Machado got X amount of at-bats, if players like that, you know, it gave you a little bit of a roadmap to follow. And so, um, you know, that was a piece of, uh, evidence that we, that we used to help make our decision. And, um, and, you know, that was an example that was kind of led by our by our front office there. What does that roadmap look like for mm-hmm. young college type pitchers with really good control? <laughs> <laughs> Would you be referencing that? <laughs> Maybe three, <laughs> three or so of them. <laughs> yeah, I know. I, I, it was wonderful. There, somebody put together a really clever um, uh, infographic, and it's like I think the last time George walked somebody, I, I, I think Barack Obama was still our president, something <laughs> like that. But. Um, you know, you you try to stay away from predicting because once you predict something, that you you don't want to make it the self fulfilling prophecy where you rush somebody because you thought they might be ready or you held somebody back. But what I can tell you is, is based on what George did last year in Everett. You know, if he can stay healthy, um, I would think he would move probably faster than what you've seen. Um, I, I believe in him. I believe in him right now. And uh, while we won't rush him, we're also not going to hold him back for any predetermined reason. And, you know, he's very likely going to start opening day in Modesto for us. And, you know, as soon as we all feel collectively like uh, he's ready for a new challenge, he'll be in Arkansas. And whether that's after five starts or after 15 starts, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't really matter. And, you know, we kind of had that question thrown out last week on media day and, you know, with all of these players, like a Kellenic, I know everybody wants to see him in Seattle uh, this summer, and uh, I don't think anybody wants to see him in Seattle more than he wants to see himself. But if Jared just plays all year in Double A and has a solid year that allows him to get promoted to Triple A in, in 21, it's a really good year based on his age still. And if Julio plays the whole year in Modesto, um, it's still a good year as long as he's continuing to get better because it's really not about how quickly you can get to the big leagues. It's about how long you can stay there and how much impact you can have once you get there. And, you know, developing talent is, is someone once told me, it's like, you know, it's like going to the apple orchard and not all the apples get ripe at the exact same time. Some of them have different uh, paths and, um, but it doesn't really determine what it's going to look like at the end of their career. And some guys might get there a little later, but have more impact and stay longer. So that's something we try to keep in mind. Along those lines, I'm always fascinated by the nature versus nurture when you talk about a Major League Baseball player, kind of talent versus development and the percentage of each when you see a player have success at the big league level. In a general uh, general sense, what are your thoughts on when you see a player, what's the percentage a successful player has between talent or development in terms of being a successful big leaguer? Yeah, again... There's no formula, and they're all uh, they all have their own paths forward. And you know, you definitely have players that you run into where you watch them compete, and you just think, 
you know, God, genetics are a wonderful thing. <laughs> um, and that's a part of it for, yeah. for a lot of players. And there are players that they can get to the big leagues and it's still not a good enough league for them. That you actually think, God, there should be a, uh, a better league because this player is so good. And that's part of it. And then you have players that just know how to work. Uh, they have a, a, a baseball IQ that they are, they're able to separate themselves from. Some people just have a sheer will. And most players have some combination of all of those things. Uh, but there's really not a blueprint. And, and, and that's one of the wonderful things about, about teaching is, you know, you have to get to know the student and you have to um, kind of walk in their shoes and kind of honor who they are as an individual and know that there's a place for a Dan Wilson there's a place for a Jay Buner. There's a place for a Randy Johnson. Um, there's a place for a Kyle Lewis. And all very different people. Um, but they can still get to the same place. It's just going to be a little bit different as to how they go about it. And um, You know, all of that being said, you know, um, uh, genetics are really important. Andy, um, and there, and those just things you can't teach. Andy, you bring up a lot of good points here. You know, you, you, you take a look at talent and everything and, and kids can really have, uh, you know, good years here and there as they move along in the organization or in high school or in college. How do you go about finding about, finding out about the kid as an organization before yeah. you make him a first round draft pick? You know, like Kyle Lewis, Evan White, such a great kid. All these kids that I met when I went down to the Arizona Fall League and, 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 and you know, at spring training. How do you find about out about the young man himself. Yeah, and obviously a ton of credit goes to our scouting group here, and obviously you're trying to really get to know the kid. And our scouts have such a difficult job because you're trying to not only identify the physical tools, but then you're trying to identify you know, the mental makeup that allows them to compete. But also you want good citizens. And, you know, like... We, I've used this joke a lot. You know, the, the Alvin Davises and the Dan Wilsons of the world, they don't grow on trees <laughs> where you just have these, these wonderful performers who are ruthless competitors and then are just wonderful citizens off the field. Mm-hmm. And that's the goal. That's what we want. And, you know, so our scouts, they spend a lot of time, you know, for example, if you're, if you're talking about a high school player, you know, you're going to talk to the high school principal. You're going to talk to the English teacher. You're going to talk to every coach he's ever played for. You're going to watch and you're going to observe. You're going to go into the home and you're going to watch how they interact with their parents. And, and again, you're watching, you're observing, you're making decisions, but there is no blueprint. And, yeah. and, and there's no perfect person and there's no perfect player either. And every player, every human being has their imperfections. And so you're having to weigh out what you're willing to live with and also what you think can, can grow and mature a little bit. And that's another uh, just really exciting part of the job is, is watching a young player grow up over two or three years in your system. And, you know, we, we want to teach and coach and work with our kids like they're our own children, and we want to be incredibly patient with them, but we want to be persistent with them. We want to hold them accountable, but we want to understand that they're going to make mistakes and you know, good people do really stupid things sometimes, and they have to learn and and move forward. So, um, but I will I will second what you said. We've we have accumulated a pretty large group of really talented players who are good people, and 
that's a lot of fun to work with every day. Andy, we've just got a couple minutes left, but uh, we're getting set to head down to Arizona. When we look at the schedule and the reporting days, man, it looks like the young guys are going to get started a lot later. I get a lot of questions of when people and where people can see them down in Arizona. Give us a little bit of a just kind of preview of where the minor leaguers are going to be and, and what their spring looks like. Sure. So, you know, obviously we have a, a large contingent of, of our young players who, you know, likely are not going to make our major league team, but they'll be in major league camp, um, you know, starting early, right around that February 12th uh, window. And, you know, many of the, the names we've just mentioned, they will be in that camp and they'll be in that camp for a long time. And then kind of running parallel to the major league camp, we'll have what we call our minor league mini camp. And that'll be many of our, of our top players who aren't in big league camp. And we have an extended program for them um, that's geared towards some more individualized work, but also at the same time having them ready and prepared to, to play in major league games as needed. Obviously, pitching is a big thing, but, you know, early in spring training, you know, you might have a player, you know, get one at bat and say, I've had enough for today. And, you know, we have to provide support there. So uh, that's kind of the next wave. And then as you get into March, um, you know, mid-March, I think it's right around the 10th, maybe the 12th, you'll have pitchers and catchers report. Um and then a few days after that, you'll have the position players report. And a little bit later start because uh, I think minor league opening day is April 9th this year, which is uh, almost a full week after when it normally does. So uh, we're on a bit of a delayed schedule, but, um, you know, some of us will be down there for almost 60 wonderful days in Arizona. So <laughs> it'll be a long camp this year. Well, Andy, I know you got to be excited about getting down to spring training here in the next uh, few weeks and getting started, especially with so much uh, uh, talented young players now in this organization and more and more and more on the way. Andy, thank you so much for joining us tonight, and we'll we'll see you here in the next, uh, I'm sure, few weeks. Yeah, thanks for having me on, guys, and uh, always appreciate the opportunity to talk about our kids and our program. It's exciting. Thank you, Andy. Andy McKay, Mariners Director of Player Development. Coming up next, we're going to visit with Chris Townsend, who covers the Oakland A's as we delve more into the American League West here in 2020. We'll be back as Hot Stove continues live from downtown Seattle after these messages. Do it on the back end. All things Mariners, all off-season. The Hot Stove on 710 ESPN Seattle, 710sports.com, and the 710 Seattle Sports app. Hey, everybody. Baseball returns to T-Mobile Park with opening day on Thursday, March 26th, as the Mariners make their 2020 debut against the Texas Rangers. Be on hand for team introductions, fireworks, and good times as we welcome back baseball to Seattle. Great seats remain at Mariners.com. Rick Riz along with Shannon Dreyer and Gary Hill Jr. is special guest right now in the first hour of Hot Stove is Chris Townsend, who covers the Oakland A's on the pre- and post-game shows and also has uh, a daily show as well. So we're going to find out about what's going on down there in the Bay Area. Chris, thanks a lot for joining us tonight, first of all. Gentlemen, how are we doing? We're doing just fine. We're getting ready for spring training, just like you are, and the question is, you know, what a year for the Oakland Athletics last year to see Matt Chapman and Matty Olson do what they do on the corners and uh, Bob Melvin and his magic with that ball club. How good are the Oakland A's going to be this year in the West, Chris? Well, I can tell you, we just had our Fan Fest on Saturday, 
And you can just tell the confidence that this team has. The core players, you know, Marcus Simeon last year arguably had the greatest year of any Oakland A, and that's saying a lot. You think of all the great players that have played here in Oakland, and just this confidence. You you mentioned Chapman. You mentioned Olsen. The starting depth, I mean, we have six legit guys to be starting. Uh, bullpen will be good once again. And just, you know, after winning 97 games two straight years, and losing two straight years in the wild card game. These guys went into the offseason with a bad taste in their mouth, and you could just tell they are hungry, they are confident, and really, and it's also this a little bitterness against the Houston Astros. So I see the A's and Bob Melvin having a big chip on their shoulder this year, but everybody's getting excited, looking uh, heading to Mason, get this thing going. You mentioned FanFest. I saw that Matt Chapman was talking long-term deal with the A's. I think he's one of the best players in the American League. I mean, top seven in MVP voting the last two years for good reason. You look at the offensive production, the defense to go along with it. I mean, is that for real? Is there a chance that we could see Chapman long-term with the A's? Yeah, they're talking about it. You, you know, Scott Boris was saying that, you know, his, you know, Chapman loves playing here. Chapman's saying all the right things, and you know, you, you talk about a guy that's won the platinum gold glove two straight years. I've covered this game a long time. You guys have watched it. He's one of the best defensive players that I have ever seen. I mean, he really, he really could be playing shortstop. He is really that athletic. His arm is terrific. He's got the power. And I think he is the number one guy that Billy Bean and David Force have targeted to show everybody because they're trying to get the new ballpark built by 2023 and to show the fan base that this thing is for real, that they're finally looking to keep these young players long-term. So they have targeted Matt Chapman as the guy to really be the signal to say everybody, hey, this is for real, and we're not going to do business like we have in the past. What's the latest on the new ballpark? Well, Dave Cavill, the president, has just been, I mean, it's like, where's Waldo? He's always up in Sacramento at the Capitol. He's been in Washington, uh, in Oakland. And basically the A's keep winning all these different votes that they've never won before, that in some ways never pursued before. As they were looking to move to Fremont, which is more towards the South Bay, then into San Jose, which people would know is Silicon Valley, and none of that ever worked. They're now committed to staying in Oakland. And he keeps getting this these unanimous votes that it's like amazing. And it's on track right now. We talked about it on Fan Fest. I, I did the uh, on the stage show with Dave Cavill and Billy Bean, and they're talking about you know the environmental reports going to be coming up, and then after that, we could really actually be for the first time. It actually could be real shovels in the ground in Oakland, down at Jack London Square down on the wharf. Is it play to their favor now that I feel terrible for people in Oakland, but they've essentially lost the Raiders and we've seen the Warriors move across town. Does that play into favor with the A's at this point in Oakland? Oh, it plays huge yeah. because it, it plays, it plays huge because, you know, it's funny. You had two major sports leave town. Like it was nothing. It's crazy. Warriors, you know, the hottest name in sports for, for so many years, moved across the Bay. Raiders are going to be in Vegas. There was no uprising. There was no, I mean, it was, it was really hard to believe, but this has really played politically for the first time because there's been a lot of politics in Oakland where you thought the politicians didn't even care if they had sports. They rather have low income housing where the Coliseum is than actually have sports teams. But now I think, I think when you finally see the Warriors play at the Chase Center in San Francisco, you now see the Raiders change their name to the Las Vegas Raiders. 
it, it really has hit hard with politicians where they understand they can't lose all three. So this is really politically helped the A's. And once again, getting all these votes and winning all these, uh, you know, unanimously all these votes. I mean, it, it's very obvious that Oakland realizes they can't lose their last team. Visiting with Chris Townsend covering the uh, Oakland A's. You know, a lot of talent on that ball club. We talked about Chapman and Olsen and Simeon, and that kid out in center field catches everything, Loriano. What does Billy Bean and David Force still need before going into spring training? Well, you know, it's very comforting for the A's to be in an offseason where they really don't need to make any moves. Because as you know, usually, I mean, they're scrambling to find people. But this has been an offseason where they really didn't need to do anything. And really the only competition in spring training is going to be at second base. And then what should be scary for the, the rest of the American League West you think about Chris Davis, who three years in a row hit over 40 home runs. He led Major League Baseball in home runs one year. He got hurt last year, his hip. Think about Chris Davis coming back with all the guys we've talked about. And if Chris comes back to be a 40-plus, 100-RBI-plus guy. And then how about Frankie Montas? Frankie Montas was going so well in the first half before he got popped for PEDs. I mean, he was looking at this guy was going to be an all-star. Came back and threw one last game. So it's almost going to be like adding two free agents right there. So it's the, the battle in spring will be at second base and then just filling out the rest of the bullpen. But, you know, you got to think last year and the year before, they were scrambling to find five starting pitchers. Now we're just talking about second base. You know, it, it's very strange having an offseason where the A's don't need to make a lot of moves, but it's been very comforting. Who are you most excited to see in that rotation? For me, I'm most excited to see Jesus Lazardo, who has been rated the number one left-handed prospect. I mean, this guy, well, we got two guys, actually, A.J. Puck and Jesus Lazardo. Both these kids, tremendous, tremendous fastball. They're upside, they're breaking pitches, they're strikeout guys, they're just absolutely electric. And we got to see them come up last year, and Jesus Lazardo pitched in the wild card game. And to watch both these kids come in with the confidence that they pitched down the stretch in meaningful games, and now they're going to get the opportunity to be in the rotation. Wait till you see these kids. They're going to come as advertised. These are premier left-handed arms in the rotation. Sean Manaya too, limited to five games last year. What are the expectations for Manaya this season? Yeah, that's another guy. You think Sean ended up being the guy that they picked because he threw so well. They picked him to pitch in the wild card game. Didn't work out. And he actually talked about a fan fest, how tough that was. The offseason felt like he let his teammates down. But, yeah, that's another guy you think about coming in. You know, with, with these three premier young left-handers, you know, Sean Manaya who threw a no-hitter against the Boston Red Sox. So the rotation, you throw in there Mike Fires, you know, Chris Bassett is another arm. I mean, you really have six legit options. And when I mention those two young guys, expect to see, I'm not going to say a six-man rotation, but they're going to have the young guys only pitch so much early so they can be strong for the second half and make that postseason, uh, that postseason push. But I got to tell you, there's a lot of excitement in Oakland because not only are there six legit options to start, but you look down at our AAA team, our AAA team in Las Vegas is going to have a stacked rotation. So right now, depth is everywhere with the A's. Well, that's what I was going to ask you, Chris. We were talking about uh, the depth in the organization right now of, of talented young players. You mentioned Puck. You mentioned Jesus Lazardo. Who are the other names we might hear about uh, this spring, uh, some of the kids coming up uh, through the organization with the A's? Well, 
Caprillion, who they got in the Sonny Gray trade, he's a guy that you'll potentially see. You got Holmes. I mean, there's all kinds of guys down there at AAA. Grant Holmes is a, 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 is another terrific arm. So we always joke that Fran Reardon, uh, who's the AAA manager, is just smiling going into this year because with all the home runs that they hit down in Las Vegas because of the new baseball down in AAA and the ball just flies there in the desert. But he's going to have some terrific starting pitching. And it's just going to be a lot of fun going into this year because you know you're not going to go with all five. So the fact that there are going to be guys down there, if somebody goes down at the big league level, there's going to be guys that are going to be able to come up and help out with Bob Melvin in the rotation. And expect the bullpen to be better than it was last year. The bullpen dipped a little bit because the year before they were fantastic, but I expect the bullpen to get back to where they were two years ago. It seems like, Chris, both these organizations are going to have a lot of fun watching the young players come through. Chris, thanks for joining us tonight. We really appreciate it. We hope to see you down in uh, Arizona here in the next few weeks. Yeah, we'll see you down in Mesa. All right, Chris Townsend, who covers the Oakland A's. That uh, concludes our first hour of Hot Stove here on our flagship station, 710 ESPN, along with Shannon Dreher, Gary Hill, I'm Rick Riz. Stay tuned for the second hour of Hot Stove. We're going to have uh, an interview with uh, young pitcher Justin Dunn. We'll also have comments from Mariners General Manager Jared Poto from the recent Media Day Luncheon a few days ago out at T-Mobile Park, talking about Mitch Hanniger and other players as well. Hot Stove continues right after this.